Welcome to Movie Maniacs. Mike Rags and Chuck Curry discussing the greatest movies of all time and all the new films in theaters and streaming that you need to know about. Like us, rate us, share us. Now, here are your hosts, Mike Rags and Chuck Curry. Hey, we're back, everybody. It's another edition of Movie Maniacs. Mike Rags and Chuck Curry talking about the world of movies, new ones, old ones, everything you need to know about upcoming movies as well. Join us on uh, podcasts and like and review us and all that kind of fun stuff. Make sure you share us with all your friends. Lots to do today. Two new big movies coming out in theaters. Uh, we've got Elvis and The Black Phone. Quite different kind of programming for you to go to the movies. One, the biopic on Elvis. Another one, a horror movie. We'll talk about that in just a little bit. Um, and Chuck Curry got a chance to see Elvis, so we'll get his review. Uh, Chuck, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing really good, Mike. I got to tell you right that this weekend might be the first time in six years where five movies gross $20 million or more in the same week, which tells you a lot of the discussion we had over the last two years post-COVID has led up to this point where people are now going back into theaters. The only thing missing now is a consistent product of good movies, multiple good movies going forward. But at this point, the industry as theaters is starting to get a lot help, which is good. Well, we got the two coming out this week. You'll have Minions next week. That'll be a big one. And you'll have Thor the week after that. So we'll get through the 4th of July with some new movies uh, that'll keep the momentum going. And it's interesting. I got a chance to see Lightyear. Uh, Pixar's Lightyear two weeks ago. I really enjoyed it. My daughter loved it, too. Um, it continues the tradition. Uh, most of the reviews have been pretty good, um, and the word of mouth has been good, although it didn't get out of the gate uh, really well as far as uh, an open weekend. It did fine, but Jurassic World did it? better, which was good sign for Jurassic World, and that means their word of mouth is doing well. Yeah, I think setting Jurassic and even though I was mixed on the film and you really liked it, I, I think for the most part, it's a critic for a critic proof franchise. Unless the movie was actually horrendously terrible, word of mouth will be good enough to get people who like that franchise into theaters. So, you know, the reviews, I don't think are that harsh of an issue uh, that that might be for some franchise properties. Well, uh, it'd be interesting to see what's pacing this weekend, because I got to tell you, the buzz on the black phone is really good. Elvis is getting some good buzz as well. You got a chance to see Elvis. Let's talk about that first. What was your thoughts? You know, it, it's interesting. Um, sat and I watched it. I got to tell you, the first hour of the film I liked, but it felt very surfaced. It almost felt like, here's a comparison. In my head, when I was watching it, I thought of Denny Hoffa with Jack Nicholson. It was well-made. Aspects I certainly liked. We're going to go into more. But it felt surface. It felt more flashy than substantive. And then, about an hour in, it starts, when, when Presley's life starts to get more interesting, a little bit on the darker side and starts to unravel a little, the movie hooked me, Mike, and it really hooked me hard. And I tell you what, like, the two performances in this movie are fantastic. Austin Butler, I thought was great as Elvis. I just wish there were certain 
in terms of script that I wish they fleshed out a bit better. What confused me a little watching it, I was not completely understanding his finances when I was watching the movie, like where he was in his career, how much money he was making, what exactly his fame was at the point. And that I would fleshed out better. Having said that, his performance was outstanding. And I got to tell you, Tom Hank, Mike, his Colonel Tom Parker, his manager, was an absolutely fascinating character. And Tom Hanks brings his A game. This is a really good performance. It's Oscar worthy. Both performances are Oscar worthy. I did say when I was watching it, though, and, and okay, so when the movie ended, I got to tell you, I was pretty satisfied. I really did like it. Even uh, though is, the first is there a lot of music? Is, is there a lot of music? There is. and But I think the second half has more entertainment and power to it than the first half. That's good. The first half is sort of a setup. Okay. But there's a saying, it's end a movie really good than the beginning would not end it well. Right? So this movie, it builds momentum as it goes on. I have little doubt general audiences are going to like this movie. Almost in the same way they like Bohemian Rhapsody and Rocket Man. Now, I think the mainstream really like Bohemian Rhapsody and they like Rocket Man. I, I love both those films. I like this movie. I wound up liking this movie a lot. And, and Tom Hanks, Colonel Tom Parker, that characterization, I, I didn't really I didn't really know the history. What, what I found fascinating, it, it, it was reflective because, you know, the movie deals with some with real life history. And in 1958, when El Presley was performing, when he was starting to just hit, when Parker discovers himself on TV and performing in front of a live audience telecast, they actually were going to put him in jail because of his dance moves, the way he moved his hips, all this, which is stunning to think that that was true. And instead, Parker makes a deal and he goes into the army for two years instead of jail. So he's going to go to jail. Hmm. because of the way he danced. I mean, it's just stunning to think. But it also was reflective because this weekend with the reversal of Rover's weight, which you you sort of have a hard realization of the dichotomy of the human mind and the way people think about the way they live. Right. It, it was, it, and it was, it, this was 1958, which is not that long ago. So uh, it was a it was a history piece. Uh, direction was here's a, a part about Baz Luhrmann. But this works really works, and when it's surface, it's surface. So it's it's not pure direction. It, it's okay. It's surface direction, which stays entertaining, and then there's some really good character uh, direction when Elvis goes dark. Um, I just think the script, I wish the script was a little bit tighter, but for the most part, I think this is a solid effort. I'm glad it's released in the summer. I'd give it a seven and a half out of 10. Well worth seeing. And, and, and this, 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 this young actor is sturdy, Austin, Austin Butler. I, I think he knocked it out of the park. I mean, it was, it was really, it, it, it was not an impersonation of Elvis. It was an embodiment. Right. Of, of Elvis and um and and I and I really did like it. this is a this, this book could have really been called Elvis 
and Colonel Tom Parker. Like it's right. it's, it's, it's the characters, and, and it's it's good dialogue between them. This character Hanks is playing manager, uh, just like almost hypnotizes him. Just I don't want to use the word owns, but he really did. He did control him. Now you you could argue he's the villain of the piece. Having said that, he did he did make Elvis Presley a household name. He did do that. Yes. So it's not like he was a complete charlatan. He didn't know what he, he didn't know what he was doing. He knew he didn't know how to star build. He was connected enough to get Elvis to become a a, me, a mega star. I just wish there would have been a little bit nuance in detail of exactly where he was when he was how he got to some points because I think some of it's glossed over uh, and I think some people will sort of be like you get the gist of what's going on and how he got to where he's gotten down and all that but I just wanted to know certain specifics that I was really curious when I was watching the movie of like at what stage is his popularity how much money because I think that's uh, you know star power how much wealth has he acquired uh, and what is he lose? What ultimately, when he lost, what he lost, what did he lose? I, I don't think they hit the nail on the head on that aspect of the film. But overall, I think general audiences, for the most part, will completely embrace this. And this has become a new genre of sure. the, uh, the 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 mega musical biopic. And yep. it's a damn good. It's a really good one. And I hope they keep doing them. Well, that's good to hear. I'll, I'll probably get a chance to see it this week as well. And. And let's talk quick about because we're going to talk about Ethan Hawke's career later on in the show, um, which has been a really good one, an underrated one, to say the least, um, from when he was a child to now. And speaking of now, Chuck, the, the buzz on this horror pick is actually quite good. Um, you don't you really see a lot of big time horror movies in the middle of summer. They didn't hold back. They brought it out just before the Fourth of July. And it's got a chance to make some money and it's getting some really good reviews. Yeah, I mean, it's tracking in the upper 20s now. They do in the upper 20s. It's preview on Thursday. did very well. Uh, you know, it's, it's hard. He really hit or miss. I mean, they can completely miss the mark and be under 5 million, or they can hit, and you get a lot of the, the, the teenage young 20s crowd at the theaters, and it appears the latter. In this case, the reviews are good. This premiered at, uh, I think, a film festival like like eight or nine months ago. Because it was, yeah. I remember hearing about this film in 2022 and it got a lot of really good buzz and, and, and Bloomhouse just controls it uh, felt that they had a real winner on the hands. They finally releasing it here in the summer. It appears the timing is, is, is right. Uh, and again, I, I'm really glad that people are looking to go back to the movies. We're heading into July now. Uh, so this is a prime, the, the, the prime uh, sweet spot in summer movie going and it's good. It's going to be a lot of fun along the way here. Um, and that looks like a good, scary movie to go see. We'll talk about Ethan a little bit later on. Chuck, let's talk about some movie news. I did see that Michael Mann is working on a Heat 2 novel, um, which will eventually become a movie. It'll eventually be a prequel as well. Now Buzz is Al Pacino thinks Timothy Chalamet should play him, his role, <laughs> Detective Hannah, in the film. Um, I'm, I've never been a big prequel fan. It's got to be really are good people, for me to are, like are it. Enough, are enough, are enough, enough people going to care here? I don't know. I don't not. I don't think so. Um, I could see him doing something on 
a limited series HBO Max, maybe five episodes, a prequel to Heat. I can't see a major motion picture about two characters early in life. Um, they're more interesting when they're I together on screen. Yeah, I, I just uh, I, I did see another uh, piece of item about potential casting. You know, yep. the Russo brothers talking about making a Wolverine movie and said that they'd love to see Chris Evans play Wolverine. What do you think about a new Wolverine? You can't go there. No, you can't go there. I read that too. You can't go there. You can't. It's just too soon. It's, it's too confusing. Yeah. Well, plus he's Johnny St well, uh, Storm too, right? He's he's already been Johnny yeah, Storm. I mean, right. In the Fantastic Four, those two films, uh, obviously he's iconic now as Captain America. I just can't see him playing Wolverine simply because Disney controls um, the X-Men property. Yeah, because they bought 20th Century Fox, and you've seen yeah. the cameo by Patrick Stewart and Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. So, uh, I, I don't think fans want to see that. I, I just look at—he's Captain America, and you can't—you can't play have him play a, a, another character in the same universe because you know those characters are going to mesh uh, sooner than later on the big screen. Well, speaking so, no, of, I'm not a fan of that idea. Speaking of that universe, you know, you and I were kind of critical of the the first Thor trailer. I have to admit, the two trailers that's come out after it really makes the movie look pretty darn good. Um, uh, you know, assembling a team, cutting down on the humor, and making it a little more cohesive. Um, and you a little, little bit of Russell Crowe, so there is a little spark of interest, at least for me, even though I'm not a big Thor well, fan, um, to go see this well, one in the, the theaters. They did, they did the world premiere uh, the night before last, and, and you, you get that Twitter reaction, right? And uh, the reaction's really positive. Now, I don't know the last premiere that I didn't get a really positive reaction, but they do. the people who saw it that gave good notices on Twitter say Christian Bale was awesome as the film's villain, and that they did cut down on the humor. I got to be honest with you. I am not a huge fan of Ragnarok. I, I thought the movie got way too... Yeah, from my taste, and, he, yeah. and I know Marvel plays it light sometimes, but I thought the humor was way almost bordered on parody for, for me. So I hope this film is good. Uh, I want it to be good. I want people to go see it. I'm starting to get excited now that more people are going back to theaters. Um, I, I think it'll it'll do well. Uh, I think so, too. And coming off of Minions, too, I think that's going to be a solid five week stretch here. Um, and six, if you count, I mean, Top Gun to to Thor, there's been a really good resurgence at the theaters, um, um, Chuck. And, and that's a that's a good, good sign. What other movie news do you have? Here's an interesting one. Uh, I read uh, Al, who uh, did uh, Universal's remake of Invasion, uh, Invisible Man, which did very well at the box office and it got good critical. I, I liked it. Uh, I thought it was really good. It looks like he will direct. He will, he, he will direct their reboot of Green Hornet and Cato. Cool. Uh, now, Seth Rogen did the, the Green Hornet movie in 2011. I thought it was mildly entertaining, but I, you know, who wants to see? I respect Seth Rogen, but who wants to see him as a Green Hornet? I thought Cato was pretty cool in the movie, but uh, I, I know why they would do it. It, it. You could turn this into a franchise property if, if all the stars align. I think Cato has the potential to be a really cool character. Um, it's sort of like uh, I mean I remember the first time I saw Green Green Hornet was on a, a, an episode in reruns obviously of uh, of a Batman in uh, yeah. the '66 right so yeah and and Bruce really played Cato um, I get why they wanted this and he's a good director so uh, I think this will be a good movie 
I'd have to say it's, it would be still like a second tier property in the annals of, of superhero properties, though, no? Yeah, I mean, I and then I think the Seth Rogen version kind of just spoiled everybody to, to, to anticipate this. Boy, it'd be great if I, I don't, I'm trying to think who could play Cato right now that would make a lot of sense and nothing really popping to mind, but. Um, no, I don't think anything pops to mind. They, they'll find somebody good, though. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I'll give it a chance. No doubt about it. What else you got? Oh, I was reading that uh, as we speak, John Williams is uh, currently uh, composing the score to uh, Indiana Jones 5. He's now 90 years old. He stated in this interview that he's going to do a tour this summer. But uh, as he said something a little bit surprising, he said on set that Harrison Ford said that Indiana Jones 5 will be his last feature film. Of that meaning Harrison overall, Ford. overall. Yeah, he wow. did. So he hinted that maybe I should think about retiring. But John was, I don't think, has any ind- indication of retiring unless nobody wants him to work, which is not going to happen. No, uh, I think uh, I, I think uh, we'll see. Hopefully that's a Liam Neeson type retirement for uh, Harrison Ford. I can't imagine him walking away. Well, he's going to do the he's going to do he's going to do the Yellowstone uh, spin off with Helen yeah. Mirren. So yeah. he's going to keep working. I don't, I don't see that happening, but I, I thought when I was reading that article, just how amazing the life and career of John Williams has been. I mean, we spoke about oh. this more than a few times in the show, but here's a guy 90 years old. We we've argued who's more relevant to a Spielberg movie, Spielberg himself or John Williams, the composer. I say it's a 50, 50 marriage. Yeah, it is. And, and who's, I mean, iconic. He is the, he is the single Mount Rushmore person of all music composers. I mean, there, there've been great ones. Hans Zimmer's great. There've been, you know, but this guy is just, he is the, the King. Uh, nobody even touches him. It, it, it's, I mean, you could say what's his most iconic uh, movie theme. And if you say ET jaws, Indiana yeah. Jones, star Wars, n- no, none of them no. are wrong. <laughs> no, they're all right. Close encounters is close awesome encounters. Book. I mean, you know, and then, you know, uh, Hawkins back. John Williams started in the early 70s disaster. He did the Poseidon yeah. Adventure, the Towering Inferno and Earthquake. Yeah, he did all three. Yeah, I know. And it's uh, it's impressive. incredible. It's incredible. He is incredible. And I'm glad he's still working. And it's good news that he's he's doing that uh, film as well. Chuck, let's go back in time now. now. Real quick, real quick. Question. What do you got? Your gut feeling. Your gut feeling, Indiana Jones five. Is this going to be a good movie? Yes or no? I think it will be. Yes, I think that, I do, too. I think they I got think enough blowback from the James last Martin. one. And and George Lucas yeah. is out. They got a new vision, a new director who's who's really good in charge. Yes. Um, with a sprinkle of the old guard still there. And again, I can't stress enough. They know how much they screwed up. This is like a this is like a last chance. This is uh, to, to get it right. Um, and I think they will. And I, the reason I, I believe that is because I, I think Logan, who James Mangold directed, yep. which was an aging Wolverine, right? And a very aging uh, Professor X played by uh, Patrick Stewart. I thought that was a brilliant film. It was I, I really loved good. That. I thought that was a great movie. No, I give that movie a nine and a half out of ten. I think he's going to bring the same yep. type maturity to this to this movie. So I have high hopes. I, I agree, Chuck. I, I, I really do. So um Let's let's turn our attention to going back in time. You're going to pick a year from our past. I'm going to tell you what movies were in theaters that we could go see. Um, where am I going? What year? Uh, let's go to 2000. 
2000. Interesting. All right. So the yes. summer of yes. 2000, Chuck and I, uh, yeah, we we were hey, we would uh, you know, we were still probably seeing movies every once in a while together. Um, let's go to the end of June in 2000, Chuck. Well, you must have picked this on purpose because one of your favorite Mel Gibson movies came out that week, The Patriot. Ah, I remember seeing now off the top of my head, I remember seeing The Patriot and Perfect Storm. That's same right. Same weekend. That's the other film that came right. out that same weekend. And, along- I, and, and, I, and I and I and I and I like it and I love them both. I like I'm seeing The Patriot in the theater. And I got to tell you, I it was directed by Roland Emmerich. And that was a very different type project for Independence very Day. Very much so. Directed yeah. because he either hits a home run or or, or he, he he strikes out swing. Right. Yeah. So. I thought he did. I, I found that movie um, very good. I, I, I like that movie very, very much. And then I went to see The Perfect Storm the next day. And um, I like that movie very much. Also, Yeah, it's a near perfect movie. Uh, so many good things about it. Uh, also coming out that weekend was The Adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle, Chuck. With Rene Russo and Robert De Niro. Uh, yeah, that, that, wow, was a, okay. that was that was that was a swing and a miss, to say the least. And holding out in theaters was me and myself. Tell you, you know, when you when you when you think it's De Niro, I mean, he's taken a lot of paycheck movies. And that he was has, a yeah. Movie. And especially that time frame of his career, he was doing a lot of that stuff. Uh, me, myself, and Irene was still in yep. theaters too, making some money. Chuck, that was the Jim Carrey Farrelly Brothers movie, which has some really funny stuff with it. I don't think it's as good as their other movies. Yeah, but it no, but it does have Renee some funny Russo, stuff. And they became an item. Yeah, they yeah. did. That is correct. So that was a good year, uh, the real good year. Um, a good summertime to yeah. see a movie. All right, Chuck, let's do Fast Five. I give you five actors, actresses, directors, whatever. And you tell me the first movie that pops to mind. And I'm going to give you a, a low-hanging fruit here because Peter Weller celebrates a birthday this weekend. And he's, believe it or not, 75 years old this weekend, Peter Weller. I'm going I'm to give you two of them. Obviously, RoboCop, which yep. is uh, an iconic movie, tremendous entertainment, uh, came out in '87. No, the, the only caveat to RoboCop is that ultra violent sequence of of uh, when uh, the villain basically blows his lips off, where he, he, he which enables him to become RoboCop. Right. Uh, but that is a great movie. And Paul Verhoeven really left his mark, I think, on film. Very different breed of filmmaker. Very edgy. He liked his violence. But Peter Weller was awesome in that movie. And just as a throwaway B movie, I, I enjoy the heck out of Leviathan. Like, I could I could stream that, pop it on Blu-ray. I'm looking to kill, you know, an hour and 45 minutes. I like that movie. It's, I find it just uh, – it's an alien knockoff, right? It, I mean, it, it's uh, – not it's not i wouldn't say it's great but uh it has a lot of entertainment value and and peter weller was just a really interesting leading man he had an interesting look interesting voice uh and he elevates like levon by his intangibles well he brings a he brings a gravitas to everything he does there's no doubt about it um yes and uh a lot of people would say Buckaroo Banzai if you bring up Peter Weller. Yeah, and, and that, movie. But I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you. In a season of Dexter, also. Yeah, and he's also in a season of 24 where he plays a bad guy too. Remember, right. um, yeah. I'm going to give you a couple too that are uh, uh, low. You know, that people might not think of. I saw Night of the Comet along with this movie at the Rockaway Mall back to back. I saw First Born at the Rockaway Mall with Night of the Comet 1984. 
I really enjoyed Firstborn. He plays a son of a bitch in it too, of a, a potential stepfather to Christopher Collette and uh, and uh, Terry Gar. I, I don't know if you remember this film, but it's got a really good, um, real good theme to it about trying to, you know, come to terms with your mom's dating again. I thought he's a real good villain in that. It gets a little hokey at the end with the big fight confrontation, but Firstborn's a good flick. And do you remember his? co-starring with shakedown with sam elliott that's a slick good action film he plays a lot yeah, i remember that sam elliott plays a cop go back and take a look at that film too if only to see the conclusion where sam elliott is hanging from a plane that's actually heading for the twin towers in this it is a quite remarkable how life imitated art a little bit and that was 1988 when that movie came out yeah but uh yeah those are two lesser seen movies that i thought peter weller uh, brought his a game to as well. And we talked about screamers a couple I, of weeks ago too, that, you know, you yeah. know, he, anytime you put him in a, in that kind of a movie, he, it's going to work out. And I know you loved him in the Poseidon adventure TV movie. I, I know you're a big fan of his, his turn at the, as the captain in that one too. Right. Did you want to bring that one up? No, <laughs> I mean, I would, I, listen, be, I, I could, I could still watch, but enough said about that. Um, you Chris, Go back. Yeah, yeah, not yeah. Not a problem. Yeah, not that. Uh, Chris O'Donnell, Chuck. Uh, I think we all were introduced to him school ties, right? That was really like the first time we saw Chris O'Donnell, and everybody's watching him on NCIS. I say, Chris O'Donnell, you think Robin? No, I don't want to think Robin. I mean, listen, I thought in Batman Forever he was fine. Batman and Robin, my God, <laughs> beyond <laughs> annoying. Like he took that character and just like you, you, you if you could bitch slap him. In, on screen, you'd do it. He was that annoying in that role in that in Robin. It would probably be the um, the um, the mountain climbing movie. What was Ver that movie? Vertical uh, Vertical Limit. Vertical Limit. Vertical Limit. Yeah, it had a lot of entertainment value. Bill Paxton. Uh, I, I I liked the movie. It was good. I'll go back to when he's in Fried Green Tomatoes and he gets his foot stuck in the train tracks. That's a he's a real good character in that. And I actually thought he was good in Scent of a Woman opposite of uh, the overacting. Yeah, he uh, was. I mean, that, gave him, that, that, that obviously gave him, you know, he's clean to fame at the moment. But I got to tell you, he's lasted a long time. He, he caught he caught a role on TV. Right. And he's been on a long time on the air, probably be on for a long time, as long as they want to yep. do it, because yep. it's CBS. It's a procedural the audience doesn't change your remote. So the ratings are always good. So yeah, good for him. Chuck, let's talk about um, a director this time who's celebrating a birthday this weekend and almost a modern day Spielberg to, in a sense, after the hits of Felicity lost an alias, he starts doing movies. He resuscitates not one, not two, but three different franchises in mission impossible, star Trek and star Wars. What movie stands out? J.J. Abrams. That's his best one. Um, I, I would, I would go with the, uh, with the Force Away. I would go with Force Awakens. Force I, Awakens. I, I enjoyed that movie very much. Um, I enjoyed Super Eight too. He he directed that as well. You and I both love that movie. An homage to to Spielberg almost. Um, yeah, I mean, it's almost become forgotten, even though it's not not that old. I mean, it's and, on one of the streamers. And he he directed Mission Impossible three, produced the later ones. And he's responsible for he's responsible for Lost, which I, is one of my all time favorite. He programs. is. And let's let look both Star Trek movies that he directed are fantastic. Uh, the the Star Trek and yeah, the Star I mean, Trek I like, I like to let's say and, 
and and the casting for the new Star Trek movies is fantastic. Yeah, and and you know, you look at his, you kind of, it's like he's one of those guys too. I know you develop and produce a lot of movies. The more you direct, the more your legacy is going to stand the test of time. And he's done, yeah, some terrific work as director. I'd like to see him do that more. Um, Chuck, Toby McGuire, who is, uh, believe it or not, fifty-seven years old, pretty old to be playing Spider-Man, wouldn't you say? He could do it. I like to see it. Oh, he just did it, right? <laughs> I mean, obviously, Spider-Man's Peter Parker is is the obvious one. Do you have another Tobey Maguire movie that stands out? Because I got a couple. Go ahead. You go first. Well, I loved him in uh, The Cider House Rules. is one of my favorite movies in 1999. Yeah, He's so movie. good in that movie. I loved him in Pleasantville. I thought he was perfectly cast in that movie as well. Um, a smaller role in Wonder Boys. I thought he was fantastic in. I loved him in um, Seabiscuit. Sea Biscuit. He's really good in too. Uh, I thought the Ice Storm was a great movie as well. Um, you see a trend here. He doesn't really pick bad uh, projects. Really, the biggest project. And, and, and he, he, he played. He played the. Ch- he played the chess player in in uh, in a movie I liked. Right? Yeah, the, the uh, Pawn Sacrifice. He played Bobby Fisher. Yeah. Yes. And he also was yeah, in The Bobby Great Gatsby Fisher. too. Uh, a few years back. Um, so he's done a lot of great work to I, I, I always think of him, you know, don't forget too. Um, I, I just always think of him in that role in Pleasantville. Something about his charm and youth of that film uh, really stood out for me, Chuck. And that's the that's the now, Tobey Maguire. If I, I if I said to you, what are the odds of him playing Spider-Man in a movie where he stars in his Spider-Man odds? What are the odds that I mean, just him? Yeah. I, I'd give it. A I six, say, 60, I say, 40. I say, twenty percent. Yeah, you think it's that low? I, I, I think, I think, I think you got a better shot. I don't know why for Andrew Garfield to come back. I, I agree. Alone. I agree. Andrew Garfield's the way to go. Um, if only because just from the movie that we just saw, it makes the most sense if he's Spider-Man again. But we'll see what happens. Last actor before we get to Ethan Hawke, Chuck. Um, here's an interesting one: Joel Edgerton, who is. Uh, 57, 57, I'm uh, sorry, 58 years old this weekend. Um, I'm sorry, 48 years old. I, I'm putting ages on this guy. He's only 48. Um, go ahead. You go. Well, Warrior is the first movie that pops to mind. It's one of my favorite movies. Yeah, very good. In a, very good. I mean, it's just if anything ever came close to Rocky, it was that one. I just that movie just stops pops out in my mind. But I also thought. He directed this movie and wrote it too. The Gift, which co-stars Jason Bateman. Real good, excellent creepy movie. thriller. It's an excellent film that he is in yes, as I well. Agree. Uh, I agree. Go check that one out. And, you know, obviously he plays Uncle Owen in the, in the Star Wars early movies. Um, and he was in the remake of The Thing. And, I, and I'm pretty sure you were pretty you're a fan of that. I, I mean, it's a very watchable movie. We, and he's we, all we, the uh, uh, one of our favorite uh Actresses was in that one, Mary Elizabeth. Mary Elizabeth uh, Winstead, Winstead, yeah, right? yeah. Um, and I just I keep going yeah. back to Warrior though. I mean that, I, you know, is one of those movies. You know, it's more- interesting. The same, the same, same, same director who directed War, War, Warrior and No and Way Way Back with Ben Affleck. Those yep. are two. Um, those are two very um, adult, really good sports films. Really and good. He, and he wrote them both too. His name's Gavin O'Connor. Yeah, uh, he's a, yeah, good talent. Very Real good talent. good talent. Um, and I believe I might be I think he wrote uh Hell or High Water as well. I think he wrote that film. 
Um, the guy's got ex- a, a tremendous amount of talent. Um, there's no doubt about it, Chuck. And uh, Warriors, one of those movies where I'll just watch It's probably a throwaway MMA movie. Who the hell cares? Kind of thing. Boy, did I get hooked into that movie? And Nick Nolte actually got a Oscar nomination in that film. And it's it's so good. So good. All right, Chuck, let's talk about Ethan Hawke. Obviously, he has a brand new film coming out this weekend called The Black Phone. We're talking about how uh, the buzz is good on it. It's a different kind of role for him, too. He's playing a a hard, a hard villain here, too. He hasn't done that too much in his career, Um, which, you know, he's 52 years old this November. His career really young. Yeah. And his career has been a long one already, because remember, it all started in 1985. He was one of the three explorers along with River Phoenix. Yeah. Remember that film? So that was where they, his first film. It was his first film. They built a spaceship and, and, and tried to go into outer space. Three kids. I mean, a high concept. Was that a Joe Dante movie? Uh, Joe Dante. I think it was a Joe Dante movie, wasn't it? Um, I can't remember. I just remember that uh, it was hokey, um, but highly watchable. It was probably because it was Joe Dante. Yep, it was a Joe Dante film. Um, okay. It seemed like it probably should have been directed by Spielberg. Uh, the, some of the... Uh, you know, the themes of that film, um, but also very young. And I mean, I remember the first time I saw him was uh, in dad and dead poet society in the same year back in 1989. Now let's talk about dead poet society. Obviously to me, it's an overpraised um, film. It's good. Not as great as people want it to be. I think it's very hokey what they do with one of the characters in the film to make you cry in it. But I will say this along with Robin Williams performance, the other one that stands out, is how good Ethan Hawke is as the shy. And when he stands on the desk, that's the power of that movie, Chuck. You can give Robin Williams all the credit you want, but unless that kid stands on that desk and it's Ethan Hawke doing it, I don't think that movie resonates as much as it does. Yeah, it's a really good scene. You know, he speaks in interviews about his his relationship off set with Robin Williams and how Robin Williams gave him a lot of good advice and, and talk about some mistakes, you know, very serious life mistakes Robin Williams made. You know, uh, some of it's substance abuse, and uh, Ethan Hawke took that advice to uh, to to heart and had a lot of memories and talked about that in a lot of interviews post Robin Williams' uh, passing. And talk a little about the underrated dad. We both liked it. Three generations uh, of uh, sons and fathers' relationships. Talk about a tearjerker. It was written directed by Gary David Goldberg, who did the Family yeah. Ties movie. Um, but some good performances in it, including and his. a good cast. Listen. Ted Danson, obviously iconic Jack, Lemmon, and then and then uh, the grandson or the son of Ted Danson uh, was Ethan Hawke. It's good, cast. yeah. It's a little they pull the heartstrings, but there's moments in that movie, uh, specifically when Ted Danson is carrying Jack. Oh, that's, that's a good scene. That's it has a good power. Scene. Yeah, it has power. It does. Yeah. And, it and does. let me be honest, they don't. They they would never make a movie like that for for the, for theaters now. No, 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 no. Um, he did turn to Disney and did White Fang um, in 1991, yeah. too. Um, and then Mystery Date. So he's jumping around to some lighthearted stuff. The Do you remember who his Mystery date. date was in Mystery Date? Was it Terry Polo? Yes. Very good, Chuck. For bonus points, who All was right. his, who played his brother? Now nah, you'll never get it. So it doesn't matter. Um, mm. Mystery Date did not catch on. Which one was better? License to Drive or Mystery Date? I can't remember. I enjoyed both of them. So I, I saw, I mean, License to Drive was the two Corys, right? So, yeah. I mean, I enjoyed that movie. I also enjoyed Mystery Date, though. And again, you know, 
I, I remember seeing both those movies on a Friday afternoon by myself because I, I went to a lot of movies opening day by myself. I, I, I never really needed anybody to go to the movies with, to be honest. I, I was almost almost find the experience of movie going therapeutic to go by myself, to be honest with you. I, and I like both of them. I enjoy going to the theaters by myself a lot more than going with someone, unless my daughter's there and we're seeing something that's a high, a, you know, a okay. lot of fun. Um, in 92, one of my favorite uh, World War II movies, A Midnight Clear, comes out, Chuck, directed by Keith Gordon, which we remember is the, the kid from the Back to School and, and Christine. He directed this film. Didn't really do much directing after it, but I just remember how powerful this movie was about the last day of World War II and how um, uh, some American soldiers... And their experience in the winter of that year, uh, it's really good. And he, he would stay in the winter and in the cold in 92 and be part of an all-star cast in Alive, Chuck. That's Frank Marshall's disaster film up in the uh, oh boy, Alps. I like that movie a That's lot. That's a real I like good that movie a lot. Real good film about the soccer team that crashes and they turn to cannibalism. Real good, and powerful it's, stuff. It's one of, it, and it's one of the more interesting hybrid movies of all time. Like they're mixing like sort of like a, a, a fun adventure film with with cannibalism i mean it's like it's a really it's a really tough dance to walk but overall that movie's a really captivating film it is and it's well made it's got a real good crash scene in the beginning of it too um yes. and, and it has a powerful ending as well I and mean, he almost gets lost in the all-star cast because they all kind of look alike after a while and, yeah you know they're all sunburned yeah. and stuff but he, he does turn in a good performance a really popular film comes out the very next year uh directed by uh, ben Stiller, who also co-stars Reality Bites, was a huge hit for Ethan Hawke, Chuck, and it kind of really yeah. turned all eyes on him. Yeah, it's a good movie. Winona Ryder, uh, Ben Stiller made money. It was a hit. And it made him a star at a different kind of level. You know, it was just kind of, although we never really turned that stardom into major league stuff. He would start his relationship with Richard Linkletter with Before Sunrise trilogy, Chuck, which actually the two sequels, he got nominated as a co-writer for both of those sig- uh, sequels, um, along with Leak Letter, and it's part of his four Oscar nominations. The interesting thing about these movies is low budget, small romantic comedy, not even a comedy dramas of these two people who meet and fall in love. And they they somehow milked three movies out of it and became very popular. They, they, this this uh, this trilogy, if you want to call it sort of uh, it's sort of. Um is the career of Ethan Hawke, the, the road he took. Because in, I, we talked about this on the show in 97, when Independence Day was casting, he actually was cast uh, in the Will Smith role. And for whatever reason, wound up backing out. They go with Will Smith, and obviously that made Will Smith the star. I think Independence Day would have been a very different movie if he, if he was, this was really the star of that film and that ensemble, which ultimately I think Will Smith, you could argue was a star, even though it's an ensemble uh, type movie, but uh, he never really was big movie stardom. He sort of shied away from it and he seeks out interesting uh, nuanced roles where he could act. And yeah. uh, I, I don't think he ever really found that in big popcorn mainstream movie going. No, and, and, it- and he did something different. He would turn to a different um, sci-fi Andrew Nicole's Gattaca, which he co-starred with his future wife, Uma Thurman, which is a neat little yeah. sci-fi movie that uh, I know has got a huge cult following. Um, yes. Didn't make a t- didn't make a ton of money, but it's a it's a cool little movie. It is. And it, and it does have a following. Um, Great Expectations would come out where Robert De Niro and uh, Gwyneth Paltrow 
which caught some eyes and turned some heads. Then remember the movie, The Newton Boys, where he co-starred with Matthew McConaughey and Skeet Ulrich, um, kind of uh, Elliot Ness kind of uh, team men. Uh, it wasn't a huge high concept, big stars, but it kind of failed at the box office, Chuck. And Linkletter uh, actually directed that one, too. Yeah, it was not uh, it, it was not seen by many eyeballs. Um, he would star in movies like Joe to King and the Velocity Gary. Remember, Snow Falling on Cedars came out and that was supposed to be a big uh, Oscar push for him. Hamlet, a retelling of that walking life tape. He's not making a lot of real big films or turning a lot of heads until Chuck. He co-stars with Denzel Washington in a little picture called Training Day. And again, I think it takes his career to a different level. He gets an Oscar nomination alongside with Denzel winning it. Uh, this movie was a huge movie, Chuck, for both of their careers. Oh, uh, it was a defining movie in both their careers. And obviously, you know, any get any chance to get to play alongside Denzel Washington in a critically acclaimed movie, which gets Oscar notice, is uh, going to be a staple and a pinnacle uh, in your career. And this was one of them. Yeah, and he's really he. You know, it's it's one of those performances where you're you get lost in how good Denzel is and you forget. It's a lot like Rain Man, right? With Tom Cruise and, and Dustin Hoffman. So buddy, so captivating on screen. The person opposite of that has to be just as good. And he is just as good. And he helps Denzel get that Oscar. Uh, there's no doubt about it. He'd do a, yep. a thriller with uh, Angelina Jolie in 2004, Taking Lives, which nobody saw. But then in 2005, they did a remake of a John Carpenter film, Chuck, that you and I both like. And a lot of it is due because he's the good guy in this film. He's real good in Assault on Precinct 13. I got to tell you, of, of a lot of the remakes he did uh, from films of that decade, I dug the heck out of this movie. I, I saw this, I think, three times in a movie theater. I bought it on um, I bought it on Blu-ray the weekend it came came out. He's excellent. I love the cast. Great uh, cast. They did some Great different variations. They did some different variations on the overall plot, but I thought Lawrence Fishburne uh, was really cool in this movie. But he's the anchor, Ethan Hawke, and and he's just um, he this plays like he he's very connectable and, and relatable to to the to the audience. It's really in this film very uh, mainstream. For people have it, for people haven't seen this movie, this is well worth seeking out. This is a good. This is a really good uh, a good movie. I, I absolutely this is as mainstream as he he ever was and in, in, in a real good action movie, too. Um, yeah, I can't remember. Though. It wasn't it, it didn't make a, a ton of money, though. Right. It did not heat up at the box. I can't, I can't remember it really. Making I think a it had a, I think it had a very respectable opening weekend. But, you know, it's one of those movies where like on a I look at this as a more of a winter movie because it takes place in the cold and it's snowing yep. is a blizzard during the movie. It's like one of those movies you could watch in January when you're home. Yep. Uh, and, and just, you know, dig the heck out of it now. And, and I will admit too, Chuck, as we're both fans of the Carpenter version, I actually think this one's more watchable and more enjoyable than the Carpenter version um, because it ups the ante in production value and, it, and well, star it, do, power. it does. I listen. I like the Carpenter version a lot. I, lo I love Carpenter. You know, Carpenter's scores are just so unique. Uh, and I really do like uh, Carpenter's movie, but I, I do agree this this is one of those sequels that's equally as good, if not even better than the, the original. It's really good. I a mean, remakes. Good. Chuck, I'm not sh I'm not sure if you saw his next movie I'll bring up, and that's Before the Devil Knows You're Dead. It's a small movie about brothers that are planning a heist of their parents' jewelry store, and he plays uh, the, the, the opposite of uh, 
of one of the great actors who passed away way too young, but they're Philip Seymour Hoffman and him are brothers. Albert Finney's the dad. Did you ever see Sidney Lumet's Before the Devil Knows You're Dead? It's a real good flick. I did not see it. I know I know when it came out. I know it got really good reviews, but I did not see the film. Um, then he's in Brooklyn Finest, Chuck. And this, I think, is a swing and a miss with uh, Richard Gere, uh, Don Cheadle, Antoine Fuqua. He teams up with him yeah. again. Yeah. I, this one didn't do it for me about it's Brooklyn a swing Cops. and a miss. I agree. Um, although it is interesting to see these two actors, him and Gear, in this type of movie. I just don't think it works. Um, then he would be in a horror movie for the first time in Sinister in 2012, which was somewhat popular. He also has an uncredited scene in the director's cut of Total Recall, but we're not going to bring that up. Oh, I did not know that. Um, but then I think, again, it's like his his career's in stages. Like he'll pop up again and get in something really popular. People will remember, oh, my God, Ethan Hawke. And then The Purge, right? He stars in The Purge. There's no reason for him to be in The Purge other than the fact that, you know what? I'm. It, it, it's probably an interesting script, interesting concept. Maybe it'll catch on. Chuck, it caught on. It caught on. I actually think I, I, the Purge franchise is a really interesting one. I almost look at it like, um, um, look at it, the the Final Destination franchise, right? right. Like, right. It, it may not be on the like the critics' radar, but when like when the average moviegoer watches these movies, they really enjoy them. I think the the original Purge is much more self-contained and small than the further installments in the franchise, which grew in scope and thought and idea. But there must be something about Ethan Hawke in general that these casting directors of these type genres seek out because he's a quality, really high quality actor. He's accessible. I guess they can get him. He has yeah. a price tag right. that will, I, I am curious, like what, what do you think he, I wonder what he, not that it's my, I'm not, I'm not his accountant, but I am curious, like what, what did they, what did he get paid for a movie like the black phone? I would say it's gotta be double digit millions, right? He's got to get 10 to $20 I, million, I, I dollars, have, right? No, I don't, don't no, think so. No, you don't think so. No. Oh no. I, 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 well, maybe million? not for a movie like no. that. I, I, I want, no, I want to say, I want to say a couple million. Well, what, then explain I, I, why he's not in that range. I'd say a couple million. Why would you? Why would he take up the part in Getaway the same year as The Purge and up star opposite uh, Selena Gomez in a action um, car chase? I don't movie? know the answer to that question. <laughs> I don't know the answer. And, and, and my my guess, I guess, be, it like anybody, like like other talent, the renters do, right? Well, yeah, and then he would also do movies Sometimes like. Sometimes you got to do that. Yeah, he'd do a movie like Predestination. Um, Cymbaline. Mm -hmm. These are movies coming out now. A movie he does do in 2014 was nominated for Best Picture. It took a long time to make. I know I'm a bigger fan of it than you are. I really enjoyed Richard Linkletter's experiment Boyhood, uh, where he plays the dad of this child growing up over 10 years of life. And, and, and the movie takes just that long to, to finish. It was nominated. Yeah, um, I liked it. It was. And it got a lot of it got, he's listen. He's good in it. He's he's good very in good. It. In and it. again, he's good in it. I just I just said to me, I watched it in a theater. It just felt like a gimmick and, and the gimmick didn't really work. For me. Well, I team up again with Andrew and Nicole to do a movie called A Good Kill. Nobody saw um, 10,000 Saints. Nobody saw <laughs> Maggie's plan. Born to be blue uh, in a valley of violence, which is actually opposite of John Travolta in that film. It's one of Travolta's uh, straight to. <laughs> straight to right. video. How many acting credits? Uh, how many? How got, many actual acting credits does he have? He's got ninety-five. 
Um, he's okay, in the, it's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, he's in the movie called The Phenom, which opposite of uh, Paul Giamatti about a young pitcher trying to make it. And Chuck, okay. I think he's the best thing in the remake of The Magnificent Seven. I've said it time and time again. He steals that movie. I think that's an underrated, big budget, fun Western action movie that did make I some money. It. But I think people forget how yeah. good that flick was. And I think people really forget how good he was in that film. He was really good. Vincent D'Onofrio was really good in that film. Yep. And remember, Chris Pratt and Denzel are your stars in that. Yes. Um, yeah. All right. After that, he would do an interesting movie called 24 Hours to Live. Did you check that one out, Chuck? No, I did not. Um, that one did get some decent buzz as well. Um, and really, it's been this lesser known films like uh, he, he would play Pat Garrett in a movie about Billy the Kid, uh, The Truth. Uh, he would be in Tesla about Nikola Tesla. Um, zeros and Ones got a little buzz about a thriller and a horror movie. But really, and he's, he's also in The Northman, which was released earlier this year. And and he did a really good turn this year in Moon Knight um, as Arthur Harrow opposite of Oscar Isaac. I don't want to go without mentioning that. Um, okay. Again, where does the black phone leave him? What does he do next, Chuck? And will we, you know, can he ever headline a big budget action type movie? Like you and I said, he's still relatively young. He is. I, I, I think uh, I think going forward, it'll be relatively the same. I mean, I could see him being looked at the same way Paul Dano was as a villain in a big superhero movie. Like uh, Dano played the Riddler in the Batman. I, I easily could see Ethan Hawke getting uh, a, a role like that yeah. as a, as a villain in a, in a big, uh, in a big budget superhero film. Well, he's, he's kind of that in, in, um, in, in the Moon Knight series. So I see where you're going with that. And let's not right. go without saying his daughter could become a huge star too. She's got a really good role in stranger things. Um, she's got a really good look, too. She sounds like looks like her mom um, and she's got the acting chops of both her parents. So he did spawn a potential great actress as well. Um, and uh, him and Uma Thurman. But overall, an excellent career to me. The standouts are Magnificent Seven, Training Day and uh, uh, Assault on Precinct 13. Those are the ones uh, they're the most mainstream ones as well. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Uh completely i mean if i had to pick two i'd say training day that's a must see and i and, and uh and uh assault on precinct 13 is is one to seek out and we both love alive although it's not him that partake me particularly that makes that movie great it's just a well-made uh docudrama that that really plays Agreed. well all right chuck that'll do it um will you see the black i think i'm gonna see the black phone i gotta be honest with you okay the reviews are good enough but it'll make me want to go see it um, I'll go to the theaters. Why not? Everybody else is going to the theaters. Why can't we, Chuck? We can, and we will. All right, my friend. We'll do this all over again next week. To the audience, thanks a lot for listening. And, Mike, always a pleasure. Thanks for listening to Movie Maniacs. Download one of our archived episodes. Be sure to subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. Podcasts by Federated Media.